What's up, Overcomers? Welcome to another episode of the Overcoming You podcast. I am your host, Josh Canuti. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Onnit. Onnit is a health and fitness juggernaut dedicated to delivering total human optimization to its vast customer base of athletes, thinkers, fitness gurus, and entrepreneurs. Through a wide array of products and supplements, Onnit combines cutting-edge science, earth-grown nutrients, and time-tested strategies to help people reach peak performance. Whether you are climbing mountains or biking down them, building businesses or closing sales, chasing PRs in the weight room or running a marathon, Onnit is the brand you want in your back pocket. As one of the fastest-growing health and fitness companies in the world, Onnit refuses to bring anything but the very best to market, whether it be their energy bars, protein shakes, creatine, or their flagship products, Alpha Brain and Shroom Tech. Onnit's diverse lineup of products and supplements are backed by science and research. And you can save up to 10% by visiting onnit.com slash O-C-Y. That's onnit.com slash O-C-Y. O-N-N-I-T dot com slash O-C-Y. My guest today is a gentleman by the name of Ryan Atkins, and he is a obstacle course athlete, beast, Spartan of a human being. He holds multiple world records in all sorts of different types of obstacle course races, one of them being the toughest, the world, excuse me, the world's toughest mutter, which is a 24-hour race. I believe it's 10 miles long with 20 to 30 obstacles, depending on the race, and he's done I think over a hundred miles and holds that world record and just the pure iron will that it takes to go 24 straight hours in a hundred miles. And it's so much different than like an ultra marathon because it's not just straight running for a hundred miles, but it's running a hundred miles with obstacles like climbing up ropes and climbing under barbed wires and crawling through mud in every which way. But I know that most of us, myself included, most likely will never do 100 miles or have any aspirations to do it. But listen to his mindset on how he gets through something difficult. And I think you can really take something away from him in the way he attacks these races. But two things that really, really stuck out in my mind is that he goes into the race knowing that there's going to be a point in this race where it's going to suck. And if you know that ahead of time, he goes, okay, you just, this is the part where it sucks. Let's just keep going. Let's just break this down and chunk this down and let's get through this next obstacle. Not get through this next 10 miles, not get through this race. Let's get through this next obstacle. And I think we can do that in our lives. You know, when things get really difficult and you're going through a tough time, go, hey, this is just the part that sucks. Let's just get through this day. Or let's get through this week. Or let's just get past this month. And then sooner or later, it will get better. So listen to this man. He is a um, he's an extraordinary human being. He's got an iron will. And he's got a mental fortitude that I wish myself and a lot more of us um, had to get through some of the things. So please welcome Mr. Ryan Atkins. <laughs> Ryan Atkins, welcome to the Overcoming You podcast. Thanks for doing this. You are an obstacle course extraordinaire, a badass to say the least. I appreciate you doing this. I know you got a lot of training uh, up there in Canada, and I know it's dumping snow, like you said before the podcast. So I appreciate you doing this. Thanks a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I'm stoked to uh, stoked to be on, and uh, 
yeah, as soon as this is over, I'm going to go out skiing. So I started for that too. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So one of the things that I'm super stoked to talk to you about is, and I actually wanted to ask you, so I signed up for the toughest mutter in LA in April. And for the listeners that don't know what that is, it's a tiny race compared to what uh, Ryan Atkins normally does, but it's probably like a warm up race for you. It's a 12 hour race. <laughs> And it starts um, April 4th at 8 p.m., goes till April 5th at 12 a.m., 12 hours, five-mile course, I believe 13 obstacles, and just how many laps you can go through, through and through. Another cool little thing for me is April 5th is actually my birthday, so I get to celebrate my birthday on that uh, on that obstacle course, so it's kind of cool. So I'm super stoked to talk to you and cool. get your thoughts and all that. Are you going to be there by chance, or are you uh, out doing other races? Uh I think I'm doing another race that weekend in Seattle, so I don't think I'll be able to make it to that one. But uh, I've done a bunch of those toughest races, the overnight, um, the 12-hour stuff, and it's they're super fun. It's it's a really cool format, and I really like the length because you can. It's not like as unapproachable as like a 24-hour race, um, but it's still like it's still really tough, and you're still you're still out there for a long time, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, and just the clue in some of the listeners on some of the races that you've done um i don't have all of the two 2019 uh races that you did but was able to find 2018 and just some of the highlights the lake tahoe spartan beast you came in uh second that was on the 29th and you again you raced it on the 30th and came in second the west virginia came in second apparently you were off to a slow race and then all of a sudden nothing but first <laughs> so you got a uh, social Spartan race. You came in first. The Martins Endure a World Championship. You came in first. The Toughest Mudder South. You came in first. The Toughest Mudder Whistler. You came in first. Michigan Toughest Mudder. The Relay Toughest Mudder. First, 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 first. So you are definitely the, um, maybe this is too soon, but definitely the Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan of obstacle races. So you are the <laughs> uh, the standard of which people are, are measured. So it's really, really cool, really, really interesting. So you really put in some work this last couple of years. Well, yeah, thanks so much. Um, it's crazy hearing it like all spelled out in one uh, <laughs> like that because, you know, I just kind of take it one event at a time and one race at a time and just try to kind of be my best on that day and, uh, you know, see what happens. So, um, yeah, it's a nice one. It all works out. Yeah. And so, once again, just to, I want to set the stage so all the listeners know. So, um, doing the toughest motor, that's a 12-hour race, but a lot of the races that you do or some of the races you do are 24-hour races. And what are some yeah. of the, the logistics or what's some of those 24-hour races? I forget. I forgot to write down the mileage and how many obstacles. What are those? Yeah, so um, I've done the world's toughest motor, which is a 24-hour race. I've done that six times and i've won um whatever category i raced in every time i did it so i've i've won it solo i think four times and then on a team i won it uh twice i believe something like that and we usually get around uh around 100 miles the most i did was 110 at one of those races and um yeah it's 24 hours you're just up 24 hours just putting in as many yeah. miles as you can it's five mile loop um usually around 20, 20, you know, 24 obstacles per lap. And you're just out there, uh, out there racing. And the last two years I've done the Spartan ultra world championships, which is a uh, Spartan races kind of version of that race. And it's, it's a 24 hour race as well. And it was in Iceland, um, two years ago. And then it was in Sweden, Northern Sweden last year. 
And so I won both those races too. Um, and they like to do those races in December. Oh. So in like in Iceland in December or Northern Sweden, it's like, it's pretty wild. It's, it was, uh, it's pretty full on. Like it was, um, well below freezing at the top of the mountain this year in Sweden, just crazy wind. And you're up there all night, um, doing obstacles, like grabbing onto metal bars with like your frozen hands and things like that. So, uh, it was a pretty cool, pretty cool challenge, and definitely, I think, got a lot of people out of their comfort zones. I did a marathon a couple of years back, and that was super grueling for me. And then I was like, oh, let me see what else I could do. So did a small little Tough mutter that most everybody does. And then my wife goes, hey, they have this Toughest mutter. Would you like to sign up? It's actually for your birthday. All the logistics that we just talked about. I was like, okay, cool. I was like, five miles? I was like, okay, so my must-have is six. Because six times five, that would be 30. So that will beat my marathon time. But my like to have is 10 laps because how cool would it be to say that I did 50? And then come to find out after totally. do some research that you hold the record for that, and that's 50 miles or 10 laps. And I'm like, oh, shit. There's no way in hell that I'm going to be even half as good as the best person on the planet. So I'm like, oh, that just kind of – now I'm like super freaked out. So I'm doing all these types of workouts and everything like that. But one of the things that I wanted to – kind of talk to you about and one of the things I talked to a lot of the guests on this podcast about is like the mental fortitude that you have first how do you keep going through those things and what are some mental things that you talk about through yourself during those during those times because I can only imagine that there comes times where you go hey I don't want to get up and go train or I don't want to get up and go go work out like how do you push through and overcome those times yeah, so from a training perspective, as you may have found, like signing up for a crazy event is really good motivation. <laughs> You're like, you have this, you know, 24 hour or 12 hour event kind of looming over you. Um, it's pretty motivating to get out and train every day. Um, I love the training, and I do, you know, I, I do a lot of ski touring in the winter um, and skiing and fat biking and all sorts of stuff in the winter. And then in the summer, I, you know, run and mountain bike. And so I really like to mix it up and, keep it interesting yeah um but yeah in terms of like motivating uh myself to train um it hasn't really been like that much of a problem for me i just i love being outside and i love pushing myself and it seems like there's always something that you can improve yeah. and i think that celebrating the little victories you find in training whether it's you know running a mile slightly faster or um adding more mileage to your training plan or um, maybe being really good at maintaining your physio regimen, like just really celebrating those things and um, not focusing on the things that kind of don't go your way. Yeah. I think it's kind of a, a good way to, to stay in a positive mindset. Um, but when I'm out there racing in an event like that, it's a, like it's a totally different ball game because like you're out there for so long. It's usually designed to be um, – somewhat miserable or somewhat um, taxing both physically and mentally. Yeah. So I like to just kind of take it, you know, take it one, one off at a time, one mile at a time out there on course. And uh, it's kind of like a bit of a, a bit of a cliche, you know, like the whole eating the elephant one bite at a time thing. Um, but I think it's like, it's really good because yeah, if you just, if you just say, Oh, I just need to do this next, you need to go over this wall or I just need to, uh, I don't know, go through this mud pit or I need to, you know, go over this hanging obstacle and it's only, you know, 30 or 40 feet long. Like yeah. I tell myself I can do that. 
But if I try to look at the whole event, I try to say, oh, I'm going to do 500 obstacles over 24 hours and run 110 miles, then it's just like, that's totally daunting. Um, yeah. And yeah, and from the training perspective, I've kind of found that like the more you train, the kind of, obviously the better prepared you are for an event. Sure. But like it's going to get hard at some point. If you train really, really well, maybe it'll, maybe in a 12 hour race, that hard time will come eight hours in. And then the last four hours will be really tough. And if you train really poorly, maybe that hard time will come sooner. Maybe it'll come, you know, four or six hours in. Um, but I've always found that it always does come at some point. And, uh, and all the training you do is just kind of like offsetting that, yeah. which kind of leaves you with more mental reserves. Cause if you, if it starts getting super tough, 10 hours into a 12 hour race, like the finish line is near. Um, so the training is really important, uh, not only to prepare yourself and prevent injuries and try to get the most out of yourself, but it's really important from that kind of mental perspective too, because it gives you confidence and it yeah. lets you kind of get closer to the end before the wheels kind of fall off and you start having to play all these mind games with yourself. Right. Yeah. That's one thing that I've, I guess, relearned, um, you know, since Kobe Bryant's passing, one of the things that I credit him to is, you know, his perceived confidence or his confidence or pe some people may call it arrogance, I think comes from the fact that he put in so much work to do it. And someone like yourself, you know, when, you, when you're at that starting line, that confidence comes from all the hours of work that you put into that. You know, it's not just because Absolutely. you're a gifted athlete. It's all those little tiny things going forward. And, but one of the things that I wanted to ask you is that leading up to a race, regardless, I know for a matter of fact, because you're not superhuman, even though you, to me, you, you seem it, but there's <laughs> days when you don't want to go out there and train. And so how do you push through those days to, to do it? Is it that feeling of that you will get once you accomplish it? Like, Hey, I want that feeling. Or is there, is it what what pushes you through those days when you're like, fuck, man, I don't want to get up today. It's cold outside. Yeah. How do you go through those training? Because I don't think it's the race day is the easy part, not easy like physically, but easy mentally because right. you're there, you're prepared. It's the three months before when it's you wake up and it's freezing cold up there in Canada. You're like, I don't want to go out there. So how do you go through those yeah, days? Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, I think that's kind of like a two-sided uh, question because – so a lot of my, um, the way I do a lot of my training is I'll have, I'll have, you know, I'll have training plans and I'll have blocks of training and things like that. And sometimes you will, whenever I'm training for a really big event, like a 24 hour race, I'll usually do like just a crazy block of training where I'll train, you know, 30, 35 hours a week, um, for like a few weeks, like in a row to kind of accrue tons of fatigue and like basically put myself to a crazy block and it's during those times that yeah after you know you can do it for a week and it's okay mm -hmm. but then like things start adding up and like the fatigue starts building and building and building and that's when it's really tough to kind of get out but because i do it in blocks i know that i know that that's the point of the training i know that i'm supposed to be there i'm supposed to get really tired and so i'm like i try to embrace it i try to just say like all right it's working i'm i'm like really driving myself into the ground and that's what I want to do in this block. Yeah. Um, so, so then I kind of just, I mean, I do just suck it up and kind of get out there. And I also try to do stuff that I really am excited to do. So as that block continues, 
instead of just like running on a flat road, I'll try to like run in the mountains or run in somewhere that really inspires me or that I find really beautiful. Yeah. Which makes a huge difference or run with friends or, you know, just give yourself a, another reason to get out. But in the day to day, like in that's just normal training, normal, normal life when I'm training, if I do have days like that and I don't have like a huge event coming up where I'm trying to make myself exhausted yeah. and I wake up and I really don't feel like training and everything's bad. I'll usually just say to myself, okay, my body's trying to come with something. And usually it's like, maybe I'm about to get sick or maybe something's happening or maybe like some other stressor in life has kind of like sapped my energy. And so I try to be really cognizant of those things. And, um, so I'll start my training, my planned training for the day and I'll say, you know, I'm going to do 15 minutes and I'm going to see how I feel. Or I'm going to do, you know, my first two intervals of 10 and see how I feel after that. And then I'll go. And this is the hard part because a lot of times you start doing 15 minutes and then you're like, Oh wow, I'm starting to feel better. And like, you're always going to feel a little better once you start, Yeah. but you need to have the, the confidence and like the self-awareness to say, was it actually just in my head or is my body still trying to find myself, myself something? So right. having like tools like heart rate or paces or, um, lots, I, do, I have lots of tests that I do. So I'll like, I know it takes me this long to run up a mountain. And if I run up that mountain and it only, and it takes me five minutes longer, but it feels really hard, then I'm like, okay, maybe I should back off. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, having objective tests, listening to your body and having the confidence to say, you know what? I'm in a big hole. I'm going to back off because this just means that yeah. in two days time when I recover, then I'll be able to train that much harder. And so, yeah, it's a really hard question to answer because there's so many factors going into it. Sure. Um, and like I said, sometimes I do, sometimes the goal is to get there and push through it. Yep. And then that's fine. But if it's like, if it's just your daily routine and you're like, you're starting to dread going out, you're starting to <laughs> dread, you know, oh, it's cold, oh, it's long, oh, it's wet, oh, yeah. it's this, it's that, then, then, then that's when I like, yeah, I go out and do a little something and try to kind of take an outsider's perspective. Is this smart? Am I still psyched? Or am I about to like, have the flu, in which case, pull the plug, go home, have a bath, yeah. you know. That has to be like a lear- that. that has to be a learned skill because someone like you or not to compare you and I, but someone like you or someone like me, I'm kind of a meathead where I just go, ah, fuck it, I'm powering through. You know, so it's got to be a learned skill to be like, <laughs> totally. okay, this is different from weak mindedness to weak. My body is telling me something. That's got to be a learned skill. I'm sure in the Absolutely. past you probably didn't listen to too well. It's such a learned skill. It probably took me ten years to learn that lesson. So yeah. <laughs> that's like that's like the hardest the hardest thing to learn in well that I've had to learn in like endurance sports and yeah. in athletics. Um, listening to your body because yeah, it's really tough. And we live in a society now where like so much there's so many things to go. Oh, I'll just like like you go to YouTube and watch like a motivational video, or you like look at one of your idols and like they're doing something cool, and you get all psyched. Like it's so easy to. Um, yeah. get excited and it's also like the society we live in kind of encourages that it's like enough push through like keep pounding yourself um, yep. but yeah our bodies our bodies definitely have limits and listening to those limits will only make you I think better in the long run yeah 
All right, so let me let me kind of geek out with you for a little bit. Um, so I want to go into some of the get into the weeds. So what's your kind of so you, let's say you're training for like the world's toughest mutter or like a Spartan beast or something. So these 24 hour races or something super gnarly, yeah. Um, like in Sweden and stuff like that. What's your typical like week look like for training? Yeah, so I would usually do um, I would train six or seven days a week. Um, and I would basically kind of try to keep the volume between three to six hours every day. And I would kind of like use, um, use different modalities or different intensities to kind of structure, um, you know, increases in load. So like maybe one day I'll go out and I'll go really hard for, you know, four or five hours. And then the next day, I'll go and I'll ride my bike um, at an easy pace for three hours. So you're still getting that volume, but you're kind of bringing out the the pounding um, into, you know, some cycling or some like cross-country skiing or things like that. And then you're increasing it with, you know, the sport-specific things. So, um, yeah, and I would kind of like go through the week and I would also have like must-do workouts and then like can-do workouts, which kind of relates back to listening to your body and usually after you've been doing it for, you know, about a week into like a three-week training block, say, yeah. um, I'll say, you know, maybe on Tuesday, but I'm, I'm planning, I'm going to do uh, something like 20-minute warm-up and then like three times like 30-minute really hard efforts with like uh, some recovery. And that's, that's like a must-do workout. And like, I get super geeky with that and yeah. I'm like, measuring paces and vertical ascent metrics and all these things. And I'm like trying to see how it's going. Yeah. And then maybe the next day I've got like a, like a can do workout where I'm like, okay, I'm going to run up this mountain and maybe I'll go to the second and third mountain if I'm feeling good, or maybe I'll just turn around and come home. So I kind of leave some flexibility there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, a lot of days you think, I think I'm going to be exhausted because I've had a really hard day the day before. But if I like recover well and eat well and eat lots and um, then I get up there and I'm feeling amazing. So I'm going to keep going and take advantage of it. Um, do you do? Yeah. And then I just kind of like cycle through that. Do yeah. you do long runs? <laughs> like are you doing um, 15 miles or 20 mile runs or anything? Or are you doing more 10 mile clips? Yeah. Or, or you are doing long no, runs? No, no. I do, I do. Yeah. A lot of long runs. A lot of my running. Damn like, it. I measure <laughs> I measure a lot of my stuff more in hours than in than in miles. Okay. Um, just because like the terrain that I train on is usually highly variable. Okay. It's, sometimes it's like sometimes I'm not even on a trail. I'm just like in the woods, like going through leaves and bushwhacking. Sometimes yeah. I'm on a mountain. Sometimes I'm on a dirt road. Like it's it's really it's really all over the place because I like training a lot of ground. So then I'm, right. I'm always ready for kind of whatever I see. If I, if I have to do a race where it's got tons of elevation, then I'm ready for that. If yeah. I have to do a race where it's, you know, flatter and faster, then I'm ready for that. Um, and that's just kind of my approach to being like a more well-rounded athlete. But yeah, I mean, if I'm out for three to five hours, like you're covering yeah. at least 20 miles, regardless <laughs> of the train. So. Damn it, you totally <laughs> bursted my bubble. I was doing some research and everybody was saying just for this, for the toughest motor, the 12-hour one, is that it's not really the long distance like a marathon training that I was doing. It's a lot more that has to do with like 
grip strength and because that's those are the muscles that fatigue first so i've been doing a lot of just dead hang pull-ups and like one-handed drop the hand and then have to go back up and um all those yeah you know doing pull-ups with like a towel you know to gain that grip strength totally uh, my muay thai teacher yeah. said get a bucket of rice and just squeeze the rice for bucket a minute in each yeah yeah and so you just totally yeah. screwed yeah, me, man. Totally. Now I gotta run. Now I gotta run longer. <laughs> Way to go! Way to go, pal. Well, you got you got to do both. Like all that grip strength stuff is huge because if you start failing obstacles, then you have to do penalties or you have to do extra or you have to. It just slows you down so much. Um, so yeah, the grip strength and the pull ups and the towel pull ups. It's all super important. But at a certain point, you still have to move your body. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you're running at, you know, if you're running a seven minute mile pace or an eight minute mile pace, you're going to accrue a lot more miles over the course of 24 hours. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of both. <laughs> it was, it was an interesting mental struggle that I just recently came to terms with like last week is that I was like, I got to figure out a way to have this long duration. So I got to, I have to train that somehow, you know, maybe not 12 hours, but I got to train four or five hours. I got to figure out a way to do that. <clears throat> And I kept saying to myself, oh, no, if I just do the five-mile clips, just get that going, do that every day, morning morning and night, do the pull-ups, get my grip strength, do a lot of you know deadlifts and um, all that type of stuff, I'll be fine. And then finally, after researching and everything, everybody was like, you got to figure out to do a five-, six-hour training session at some point in time. Otherwise, you're just not training that duration. So yeah. between that and then between you bursting my bubble with the long runs, now i got to <laughs> up my game even more. So, But it's yeah. it's good. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of like little ways to kind of hack your way around it. Um, I like to, I like to tell people that about three weeks out, I will do like my kind of my my dress rehearsal, my like big okay. run where I try to simulate, you know, what I'm going to expect. So I'll I'll bring all my food that I'm planning to race with, and I'll wear the clothes that I want to race with, and the shoes and the socks, and I'll try to like simulate the train and things I'm going to encounter and then I'll just go out and do it and treat it like a little mini race by myself. And then you learn so much. Not only do you get the training effect, but you realize, Oh, after eating, I don't know, gummy bears for four hours, I'm sick of them. So maybe I should do something else or yeah. maybe I, uh, maybe this sock is rubbing me. I've been totally fine in all my five to 10 mile runs in these socks. But now when I run for five hours, they're like give me crazy blisters, so maybe I need to tape that spot, or maybe I need yeah. to look at different socks. Or um, so not only do you get the training benefit, but you get all this confidence from doing that. Okay. So yeah, that's something I would really recommend. Okay, um, that's a good tip. Yeah. Um, some of the other <laughs> things I want to ask you. So as far as nutrition, so what are the things that I've noticed with the YouTube, whether it be you or some of the other folks, is that on some of the races. I see you guys have packs and I get it on um, some of the other ones, but on some of the 24 hour, I don't see you guys have packs when you're going in and out of water underneath, um, um, you know, barbed wire or something like that for the toughest mother. Would you recommend a pack or since I'm, I'm cruising around, you know, once an hour, it's probably enough to refuel. I don't need to refuel during there. Or, or do you carry a pack or what's your nutrition type? So, yeah, so for like you don't need you don't need no one needs fuel for an hour. Like okay. everybody has enough glycogen stores for an hour. But you're you're racing for twelve hours. So even if you eat something every hour, it's really hard to take in three to five hundred calories in the pit and then get out. So by taking the nutrition with you, 
you can kind of spread out your intake a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I kind of do a little bit of both. I can usually get away with a waist belt or just a couple pockets. Maybe I'll put like, a, I don't know, like a gel and some like uh, electrolyte water mix stuff okay. in a waist belt. And it's only, you know, it's only a pound. It's not that much. It's not that big. It's not that cumbersome. Um, and then I can just make sure that I kind of sip on those things during the lap. And when I lap through into the pits, I take on another, you know, a couple hundred calories. That yeah. way you're kind of like, you're not carrying too much weight. It's not like getting con- caught up on barbed wire, like you said. Right. But it's also, um, it's also kind of giving you that steady trickle of calories. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of like, kind of like a little bit of both. Like, I, I like really not stopping in the pit at all. So I'll just come in, take off my waist belt, grab a new one that already has food in it. And like maybe take a, a bite of something and just keep going. And then once I'm on a steep hill or I'm power hiking or um, then I'll like eat a little bit and keep going. So yeah, but a lot of people, a lot of people like who maybe aren't trying to win, they will stop in the pit, change their socks, have a little snack, drink some soup, maybe have yeah. a coffee, and then go out. Um, to me, that's time that I could be getting further on the course, so yeah. I try to avoid it. But but if your if your goals are different, and then maybe that makes sense for you. Yeah, we call them losers. <laughs> uh, what's some of your? I know nutrition's different for everybody, um, but what's some of the the nutrition that you like to have on some of those lo- longer races? You do the goos, yeah. you do gels, you do actual. <clears throat> You know, do you do pizza in the middle or what's some of your nutrition? So, yeah, I mean, every year I kind of, I kind of experiment with new things and different things. Um, what I've kind of settled on is a bit of a mixture. I really like the, I've kind of started gravitating towards like the high calorie drinks. So they're like a carbohydrate drink. Okay. So I know like Morten makes one and um, there's another company that makes one. And you can get like three to 450 calories in like a 500 mil flask with these drinks. Oh, wow. They're really intense. They're like, they're like, they're like, they're almost like a, a gel. It's like, they're pretty, they're pretty potent. So, okay. um, not everybody tolerates that much kind of like carbohydrate and sugar in, uh, into like one flask. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I'll like, start knocking down the amount of uh, the amount of this like powder and then I'll start supplementing with like maybe a little bit of maple syrup or maybe uh, a bit of rice or maybe like you said I'll come through um, 12 hours into the race and have a slice of pizza or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on white bread is like usually really clutch um, in the middle of the race it's yeah. just like so digestible you're getting some fats you're getting some sugars so yeah I mean I like I try to pick one thing where I'm like, I'm going to get 60 to 80% of my calories from this product. Right. And I know it works for me. And then, um, inevitably you start getting sick of it. So you start kind of mixing in other things. Um, you know, 12 or 14 or 16 hours in the race. Um, and that's been what's kind of worked for me in the past. I've actually done, I've actually just taken white rice, uh, a little bit of salt, a little bit of coconut milk and some maple syrup and blended it into like a weird slurry, oh. put that in my things and then just drank that. And <laughs> it's like, it's really good. Yeah. White rice is like super digestible and, um, it's like 
it's pretty good. But like, again, if you drink that for 24 hours and you're going to be feeling pretty sick of it by the end. So sure. a little bit of variety is definitely king. Yeah. What are those drinks called that, that you were talking about or who makes those drinks? Um, so Morten, Morten, M-A-U-R-T-E-N. They make like a, it's like a, a drink with, yeah, I think yeah. a really highly, high, high, high calorie drink. And then there's another brand I'm forgetting. They're based out of the UK um, that I've used. And they can like, you can kind of, uh, you can kind of get both. There are a few different flavors and mix it up a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're, you can get like 450 calories per bottle, like so per okay. 500 milliliter bottle out of these. And like, and a lot of the research is showing now that by mixing, by changing the like the percentage of sugars, <clears throat> people are actually able to tolerate a lot more calories per hour than previously thought. Like they used to think it was only around 300 calories per hour that like you, you, you could take in. Yeah. But now they're like pushing that number up to like 500, which for a 24 hour race or 12 hour race is great news. Sure. Because like you're you're burning, <clears throat> like I'm out there burning at least 700 calories per hour. So oh, it turns into like an eating competition, a digestive competition. Because yeah. it's like, if you're if you're taking in 500 and burning 750, at some point, those numbers are going to cross over and yeah. you're going to start bonking and you're going to have to slow down. Yeah. So like the more you can take in and digest and use as fuel, the kind of longer you'll be able to go. Yeah. Do you ever get into a state of like dehydration during these races? Do you ever get like rapto, um, raptomyosis or anything like that during these races or? Um, no, actually my bigger concern is like, uh, over hydration really? in these races just because, yeah, I mean, so a lot of times I'll be, I'll be just like, I'll get into a routine and I'll be like I'm drinking this. I want to get like lots of electrolytes in. I want to get, I'm like so focused on, on my nutrition that I like stop listening to my like natural cues and just like, like I need to get this in me. I need to get that into me. I need to get that into me. And I start like getting super puffy and like things like that. And also right. a lot of times the races are colder. So you're like not sweating as much as you could be if you were, you know, just out training on a normal day. Um, so you're like your intake needs start changing a little bit. So really paying attention to like the frequency of, your urination and the color while you're racing. Okay. And then just like, yeah, I mean, you, you still need to drink and, you know, sure. especially if you're, t but it, it's like, it's so hard because yeah. <laughs> there's like, you're pushing yourself and all the cues that you rely on from a day to day basis, just start getting skewed and you get tired and you get kind of hazy. And so you're like, all right, well I need to drink. And then maybe you drink too much or, yeah. um, but yeah, I haven't, I have it's like the intensity is low enough that a lot of those like problems with super high intensity exercise um, don't seem to present themselves, at least in my experience, as yeah. much. And then last kind of like yeah. um, in the weeds question for you. So it's probably <laughs> massively different. So you're probably used to minus eighty three degrees in in Canada, <laughs> but I'm down here in Orange County, California, and if it dips below seventy, I start to freeze. So, um, right. but what type of gear are you using when you do like a West coast, um, kind of Southwest coast, um, race? Are you just in compression shorts? Do you, when you go overnight and you're going in and out of the water, are you in a wetsuit or is it just, you know, so warm 
for you that you're like, ah. Yeah, again, there's like there's like a million factors that kind of change things, but a pretty good rule of thumb is just like I would wear like a compression pants and then maybe nothing on my top um, because a lot of people, when they do obstacle races, you actually won't wear a top because when you get out of the water, if you're not wearing a top, like you dry a lot quicker. Yeah. And then you run and you warm yourself up. Whereas if you have this like layer just holding water against you, it acts like uh, like a wet bulb, and it just like the wind hits you and it cools you down more. Yeah. So it's kind of a hard it's hard it's a hard line to tread. Like a lot of times, if you're going hard enough, even for a 24 or a 12 hour race, um, you can get away with like very little. But then if you start to drop or you start to you know get behind your nutrition, you start bonking a little bit, then all of a sudden your pace drops and everything changes. So I'll often wear, um, often bring like just a thin neoprene, uh, kind of like three quarter length pant and, uh, like a thin, a thin neoprene top, like one to two millimeters. And I have those in the pit. And if I start getting cold, it's just really easy. You pop in, you slide them on and I'll usually go pants on first. Um, and then if I'm still cold the next lap, then I'll do a top. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, in, in Southern California, that, that uh, should be all you need. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but sometimes, the, sometimes the wind picks up, sometimes it drops to, you know, 50 or, um, yeah. things like that. And so, yeah, having, so if you're really concerned about it, you could bring like a three mil, like full length wetsuit. Yeah. And then if you're still cold, take off everything, put the, put the full length yeah. three mil wetsuit on and then you should be good to go. See, for the listeners, um, I don't know if you caught that, but Ryan is so nice of a guy. That was his way of calling me a, a sissy. Like, in Southern California, <laughs> you'd probably be okay there, you little girl. So, <laughs> um, yeah. That, that's cool. So kind of switching back to the the mental side of things. So one of the things in a lesson for all the listeners that I love that you did, and I've heard you say it before, is, you know, when you're going through these races, um, you have like little tiny goals, like, okay, on this sandbag carry, I just want to make this little totally. goal. And then you put that down and then, okay, I just want to get over this obstacle and this, this yeah. amount. So when you start the race, are you thinking like that? Or does it kind of narrow as you get, as you get closer and kind of what's, what thoughts are going through your head? Are you saying like things that I do, or maybe I'm just a little crazy, like, let's go, come on, push, you got more in you, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, come on, or what's what's going through your head? Um, I haven't had too many races where I've had to, like, consciously push, push and push and push and push, um, because you normally I'm just, like, I'm into it, I'm stoked, and I'm, like, I like pushing, so that's, like, the easy part. It's usually, like, more of a case of, like, all right, it's early, hold back, like, keep it chill, like, okay. a lot of times people go out so hard, and I'm like, dude, it's a 24-hour race. Like last, like last um, couple months ago in Sweden, there's uh, two guys who who went out up the first climb. The first climb's like it's like 1,500 feet of vert, and they're just they're like running up, and it's like 35 degrees Whoa. or 35 percent. And I'm like, I'm like, holy holy crap, dude! Like, what are you guys doing? And I'm looking at my watch, and I know how fast I should be going. And I'm like already going faster than I should be going and they're passing me and I'm like, okay, like, but I kind of had the confidence. So I'm like, instead of engaging in that, I like 
consciously slow down more. And sure enough, like three laps later, they were both like had to drop their pace so much and I passed them and it was like, everything was good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, where was it going with that? But you, <laughs> no, and you ended up winning that race, right? Or doing the most, the most miles, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah um, I won that race. Um, and when you said you're looking but at your watch, I where I was going with that. Um, you said, um, Oh, the thought process through your head about, um, you had to push through and, and normally you're just focused and. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And like when to take, um, take goals as they come and things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I usually just, I usually try to keep that stuff. I like save it for later. Like all the mental tricks, it's kind of like the later I can start using them, the like more effective they'll be kind of. So for the first like six or eight hours, I'm just like, enjoying things, enjoying the scenery, kind of um, looking at each obstacle, trying to figure out, hmm, I wonder if I could do it a little easier this way or a little more energy efficient or a little more quickly next lap. And I'm kind of like just playing with the course and tweaking little things. And that's like, that's like really engaging on its own because you're like, oh, I come up to this wall and maybe if instead of pulling myself, maybe I'll throw a leg up and I won't have to, I'll have to do one last pull up. So then on an obstacle where I really need it, I'll, I'll still have that pull-up strength later. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, as, as the race progresses and I start kind of um, needing more, you know, more distraction, more things like that, then I start saying, oh, how can I change this? How can I, um, how can I key into this part of the course? How can I do this sandbag carry as well as possible? And I'll start like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll time myself on a segment of a climb one lap and then the next lap I'll say, okay, I only want to lose... 30 seconds per lap on as I slow down. So like, and then if I meet that, it's like a little feather in my hat and I'm like, I'm so great. Like I did it. (laughs) And it's just like, it's just like a tiny little victory, but it maintains such a positive, it maintains a positive kind of mental outlook as you, as you work your way through it. And then if you're like, Oh man, I was a minute slower than I was last lap. Like, shoot, like, well, this lap, I'm like, I'm only going to lose 30 seconds on my new, my new benchmark time. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, there's, there's a million little games you can play with yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I find them like super effective and super kind of encouraging and pretty fun. Right. Yeah. And not to be super profound, but that it really is a real good life lesson is, you know, those little tiny wins. I'll, I'll tell you, I used to think no disrespect to this to the community or anybody that has gone through addiction but you know you hear that people that go overcome addiction not that this podcast is about that but people overcome addiction they say you know one day at a time one day at a time and i used to think to myself totally that is such bs like you got to think long term you got to put this plan together right but now understanding that i was completely and utterly wrong because you can do those little little tricks that you just said hey you know it's we're in February now as we're recording this, but a lot of people have New Year's resolutions to get fit or do whatever. Just take this next meal, just eat this next healthy yeah. meal. And then after you finish that healthy totally. meal, do exactly what you did, just did. All right, I'm awesome, I'm amazing, I did I did so good. And then go to the next yeah. little thing. And it's just such a good tip and trick for life to overcome those things, chunking that down, eating that elephant one, one bite at a time. So it's really interesting to see a world-class individual use those same things. So it's really, really cool. Yeah, totally. I couldn't agree more. I think that in sport and, you know, all types of sport, during sport, team sport, doesn't matter. There's just like <clears throat> so many lessons in sport are 
so applicable life that it's like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one thing that I can't I can't get over and I haven't been able to figure it out for myself, but these physical for me physical feats, you know, a marathon or this uh toughest mutter coming out, there is something so satisfying about pushing the body and more for me pushing the mind past a spot where I didn't think possible. And that marathon that I did, it's the first marathon ever and it's first big huge feat. I can't tell you the self-confidence that that gave me. And it was such, it was one of the best things I ever did for myself and for my, my mental fortitude, because I, I hate to run. I mean, I know that's an odd thing as we're sitting here talking, but I can't stand to run. <laughs> and so to push, right. push back and push through and overcome those things, it's just feels so amazing. And now I've done that into what we just talked about before, you know, each, t- each day I go through and I eat, clean and I do well and I drink my water I feel really good it's like a little bit of overcoming and so I'm just fascinated with this feeling of figuring out how far the body and the mind can go so I'm so infatuated with people like yourself and going through those those uh beats so it's really really cool um switching gears a little bit I wanted to ask you and I don't even know if you can articulate this um but you know we always hear we heard the hear the term the pain cave you know, when you get into that, that part of that race where it's the pain cave and, you know, you come around to your pit crew and your body's moving, but, you know, the speech is slurred because you're so tired. Can you articulate what that feels like when you're in that pain cave? Or can you even remember? Is it kind of like a you almost black out or can you even articulate that at all? And yeah. It's okay if you can. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's almost like a like a self-preservation response where like (laughs) your body just like we tend to remember the really great parts of races and when you're feeling good, when you pass that guy and this and that, and like you said, like the parts where you were just in the bank game or you're feeling so crummy, um, we tend to forget those pieces. And I think that's like uh, a part of human evolution that we've kind of evolved to be like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been there enough times that I can kind of like, kind of get back there and I think that like like being there and being in that in that pain cave it's just like it's like a hazy kind of it's like almost akin to being intoxicated but like in a in like a kind of switched up way um sometimes I'll kind of see myself from like a third person perspective and I'm like observing it the whole situation sometimes it's just autopilot and like, oh, I've already done 12 laps. So like your body just takes over and you start doing another lap and it's like no big deal. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I just don't even remember it at all. So, uh, yeah, like a kind of like a hazy, weird, um, a weird place to be. Uh, but that's kind of when you trust in your training and you trust in like, okay, I've been here before and I've pushed through moments like this before. Mm-hmm whether it's in like your dress rehearsal run or whether it's in another race or whether it's in like another facet of life or another challenge. And like, you're like, okay, I've done this. I'm mentally strong and I can, I can go through this again. And then before you know it, like you come through that trough and you start climbing up like, uh, another mountain and you're like, you're riding another high and everything's great. Um, I did, I find the longer the race you do, the more severe the like valleys and troughs of like this sucks to like, this is amazing. Um, 
the more kind of like extreme they get. I yeah. did, uh, I raced an eco challenge in the fall, uh, which is like we did, it was like about seven day long adventure race. And like the last three or four days we hardly slept and we were just pushing and pushing and pushing for days. And it's like, it was just so crazy how crushing the lows were yeah, and how like incredibly elating the highs were. And it just kept happening. And so it's like, well, if I just wait, you know, three to 12 hours in this low, then it's going to, I'm going to eventually come out of it at some point and it's going to be great. And then like focus on that, focus on getting there instead yeah. of just like kind of bearing down on how miserable I am right now. Right. Um, that's another, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's another direct parallel to life in, in general. You know, we go through these ups and downs, but when we, if we can figure out when we're in those valleys of life, wherever it may be, whether it be on the course right. or, you know, you just lost your job or something's going on, go, okay, I'm in a valley. Hey, it sucks, but let me just keep going and keep pushing through yeah. and keep overcoming. Then I know a high is, it may be a month, a week, a, a year, but it will come eventually. And so I think there's so right. many parallels to life. That's why I love these, love these um, endurance races and stuff like that. So it's just so so cool. Um, last couple of things before we get together or before we end our session here, um, is there a race out there that you have your eyes set on that you haven't done yet, but that kind of scares you a little bit? Um. Well, I've always been kind of drawn to like these longer endurance challenges. And one of my favorite things to do is just to like kind of make up my own, <laughs> my own challenges awesome. or do things that really inspire me. It may not, they may not be like a specific race or event. Sure. Like, uh, last summer I set the, there was like a record to climb all the high peaks, uh, in New York state, um, in the Adirondacks. And so I did that as 46 high peaks. It took me like three and a half days. And I just like, there's no start line. There's no finish line. There's no, yeah. you know, feed zones. It's just, it's just you out there on your own. And it's also, it's almost like more meaningful when you do those things. Yeah. Um, so that was really, that was really awesome. And I mean like more, more things like that, more explore, exploratory, um, you know, adventures. Uh, I've kind of been interested in the Barkley marathons. Um, Ooh which I think is a really cool event. I think it's cool that it's like underground and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I applied to get in last year and they didn't accept me, which was like kind what? of a bummer. And that kind of just left, left me like sad. Uh, but then I just did other things that were like inspiring to me. Um, and now I'm kind of like over it and I'm like, there's other things to do. There's like so yeah. many cool opportunities and I don't need to be like, I don't need to do this thing that, um, this like contrived event. Everything we do is contrived right. to a certain to a certain point. So it's like if I find beauty and movement in another way, then that can be just as meaningful. Yeah. Um yeah. that's even that's even more impressive to me and not to just throw sunshine at you or a bunch of compliments, but to do like those Andorandac <laughs> peaks, but to do it on your own where there's no there's no metal, there's no like outside force pushing because no matter yes you, you're a battle with inside yourself on these long races that you do but there's still a component of competition and Great. i know that for me and probably 98 percent of the listeners if we were to go out there and just do something for ourselves it'd be way easier 
to go. All right, that's good. I'm 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 done. But it's right. a lot harder with inside of a system. So hats off to you. That's um uh, that's really 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 cool. Um, then last two things. One, what what tip would you give to someone like myself going to an endurance race, and what um like make sure not to do as far as like me going into this endurance race? What tip would you? Hey, make sure to take a look at this or think about this. And what would you say? Hey, don't do. Right. Well, my number one tip, almost on a side note to anyone, and you've already done this, is sign up. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> you already signed up for the event, which yeah. is like to a lot of people, that's like the biggest challenge. It's like it's signing real. up because then you're like held accountable. You've It's real. It's happening. So like as soon as you sign up, so for anyone listening who hasn't signed up for something and it's always like kind of been in the back of your mind, um, just sign up and make it happen and then like figure it out and go from there. That's like the best motivator. Yeah. Um, so tip for someone who's already signed up, I'd say, like I said, <clears throat> don't, don't try anything new or crazy. Um, okay. before on like on race day, try to like practice as many things as you can beforehand. And, uh, it's, it sounds really logical. I mean, a lot of this stuff is so logical, but like we have this tendency to kind of like overcomplicate or, try to see things in like a new perspective. Um, but I think that, yeah, you have to kind of, um, look at where you're at, look at what the event demands from you and look at how you can train and what you can do in your training in order to be the most effective athlete on that day on that course. So like an example would be like new, if you're like, man, I'm like a, 230 marathoner and I've run like a hundred hundred K's and I'm like this rock star runner, but I can't do a pull up to save my life. Yeah. Then, you know, maybe your time and like, we love training what we're good at. So it's like, Oh, I'm just going to keep pounding the pavement and like get marginally like 0.05% faster over at running. Like maybe you could take 25% of that time and focus on your grip strength and your obstacle proficiency, maybe gain a few pounds of muscle and that'll give way bigger dividends overall um so yeah like i always tell people like it's good if you can do an event first because then you can say oh man i really sucked at that obstacle or man the hills killed me or i was so slow at running downhill and then you can kind of work on those things for the next event but i mean a lot of people you do kind of know where you're at and what you're good at and what you're not good at so like train your weaknesses and race your strengths that's like a a really good uh piece of advice and like that's usually how I operate. It's like, I only have this much energy and this much time in a week to yeah. dedicate to training. So am I going to spend it like getting marginally faster at the thing I'm already really good at? Or am I going to spend it trying to, you know, knock down barriers and the things that I really suck at? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, again, it's like, it's like logical, but it's, it's like, it's kind of a, uh, it's really bizarre because it's like human nature to be like, man, I'm so strong. I'm, I can already do 30 pull-ups. Yeah. Maybe if I train really hard, I'll be able to do 33 in a row. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yep. And yep. what was your other question? Um, the, uh, what's a, I think you already said it. Uh, what not to do, like don't do anything different. What so, not to do. Yeah. yeah nothing different. Can't... Nothing crazy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Um, totally. before I hit you with my last question, where, where can everybody find you and what, um, what do you got going on and what kind of things you got coming up and all that type of stuff where yeah, can find you on social media? Well, I'm on Instagram, uh, Ryan Atkins diet. 
which is just kind of like a bit of a joke, but yeah, it's it stuck. Um, <laughs> and what do I have coming up? I've got my first Spartan race of the year coming up in Jacksonville. So uh, that's in February 23rd, I believe. And okay. then <clears throat> right after that, in March, I'm doing a big fat bike ride uh, in northern Ontario. So we're going to be awesome. um, bike packing on our fat bikes on the world's longest seasonal road, which is about 500 miles long. Whoa. Um, it goes from like northern Manitoba uh, across to northern Ontario. goes through like right by a bunch of polar bear national parks, and um, we're going to be kind of right just south of uh, Hudson Bay. Uh, that's going to be pretty wild, so I'm like yeah. really looking forward to that. Uh, we'll be like, it's self-sufficient, so we'll be like camping up there. And that'll be really cold. So we did like a similar trip last year, yeah. a little further south, a little shorter, and it was about minus forty uh, most days. Jesus, um, Ryan, and <laughs> it was God. pretty chilly. So yeah, that's that's proper not California weather. Um, <laughs> I didn't even yeah, know the thermometer nope. went there. Oh my God, Ryan! Nobody lost any fingers, their toes, and uh, and we're like. Maybe it's like what I talked about earlier that we like remember the good parts and forget the bad, but we're doing yeah. doing it again. So I'm psyched for that. And then it's just uh, for me, it's just more racing and more um, more competing and travel. And uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting things. There's always adventures planned um, yeah. on the horizon. Nice. I used to actually do a ton of mountain bike racing. That was like one of my um, backgrounds in endurance sport. And I like. I decided I really miss it, so I'm going to do a bit more mountain biking this year, a bit Very more cool. mountain bike racing. So I'm really, I'm really psyched for that. And uh, yeah, nice. Are Maybe. you are you sponsored by anybody? Uh, yeah, so I'm sponsored by um, a company called Human. They make um, they make like a beat formulation product oh, cool. that they're probably best known for called Beat Elite. I'd really recommend that actually for nice. for your event. It's like a vasodilator nitric oxide enhancer and it lasts for like about six hours. So like two oh, cool. packets of that and you'd okay. be like you'd be good to go. And that just kind of like it just makes everything work a little bit better. Like yeah. makes your all your kind of vascular system work better. A great product. And I'm sorry, what's that um, called again? On, so their product is called Beat Elite. Oh, got it. Yeah, and um, sponsored by Spartan Race. So they're kind of like they have a pro team, and they kind of help us get to some of their races and stuff like that. Um, it's been great working with those guys. Yeah. I'm sponsored by DJ Shoes, and they're uh, they're like a Finnish company that makes these wicked shoes and like the grippiest rubber you'll ever find. Oh, cool. So like. A lot of times you have to run up, you know, wet wood in Oscar races or yeah. you're on like a really sketchy like downhill and you know, everyone's sliding and um, yeah, the shoes are awesome. So okay. I'm like really psyched to be in those shoes. Um, yeah, awesome. and uh, I think that's about it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this isn't my last question, but um, I just have one qu <laughs> um, quick question. Did you hear anything about um, Spartan trying to buy Tough Mudder or do you know anything about that or is Tough Mudder okay? Someone said like, is um, the race still going on? I was like, I haven't heard anything. So yeah, I think I think Spartan is buying Tough Mudder, oh, which okay. is cool. Yeah. I think that um, I think their plan is to keep kind of Tough Mudder the way it is, and it'll just be um, like a one-off. So I don't think that the the brand image is going to change uh, from Tough Mudder's perspective okay. um, or from Spartan's perspective. Um, 
but I think the opportunity arose and Spartan was like super psyched about it and it kind of worked out for everybody. So okay. cool. last I heard that's what's happening, but don't quote me on that. Right. It could have changed. <laughs> All right. Then, yeah. um, Ryan, last question before I uh, let you go and thanks again for doing this, but how do you personally build your self-worth? My self-worth. Oh, uh, well, I mean, today in today's, like, I guess, structure of society and social media and all that stuff, I guess it's, like, it's really important to have, like, a good image and to try to inspire people. Um, I try not to, like, play into that too much. I, I've kind of been of the perspective for a long time that if you if you work really hard and you kind of have a good outlook on things and um, and you maintain a positive attitude that things will kind of work out in the end. Mm-hmm. So I try not to like, I try not to like force anything too much. I'm not like out there knocking on people's doors or um, yeah, doing like doing posts for free t-shirts or like doing things like that. I just want to like be the most real version of myself and represent, you know, what I think I stand for um, to the masses and yeah. hopefully people like see that and recognize that and get behind that. And if they don't, then that's fine too. And um, yeah, yeah, I just, just keep hustling, keep trying to win races and trying to be awesome and uh, push myself, you know, every day. So yeah. Yeah. That's, my that's, that's <laughs> and I can tell you from my, my perspective, obviously this is the first time us meeting, we chatted a little bit um, in correspondence, but you know, listening to to your interviews and following you on Instagram, um, you are a good person with a good heart and there's no haughtiness or narcissistic. Um, you're a hum- humble dude, but the thing that is really inspiring is your work ethic and is these things that you're able to push through and o- overcome. So um, whether nobody else tells you, I'm telling you just from, from Josh to Ryan, <laughs> you inspire you inspire me, you motivate me, and um, I'll do my best to beat your record, but I'm not, not guaranteeing anything. If I get six, I'll be lucky. So, <laughs> But I appreciate yeah. you coming on. And you're a badass and an overcomer for sure. I really appreciate your time, brother. Jeez. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Cool. All right. Remember, be kind to yourself.